Welcome to Yarns at Yinhu, a podcast about the fiber arts and other post-apocalyptic skills. Episode 266, You Need a Hat. Monday, January 25th, 2021. I'm your host, Sarah. You can find me on social media as Sarah Pomegranate. Each time I record a podcast, I post photographs, show notes, and links to things I talk about on my website, yarnsatyenhu.com. This podcast is supported by your purchases of my knitting designs, and they are available on Ravelry. Thank you so much for your recent orders of One Dark Blue Night. It's a hat pattern with colorwork moon phases. Amy Palco of The Meaningful Stitch recently showed her finished hat on her podcast. It's in beautiful white and clay colors. Absolutely lovely. You might wish to consider this design if you'd like to participate in the upcoming Colorwork Knit Along sponsored by the Woolly Thistle. I did use three colors of Ralma Phenolgarn PT2 for my hat. However, it could be suitable for other woolly thistle stash that you may have on hand, and it doesn't take a lot of yarn, so you may even be able to use leftovers from another project. Today's episode features the following segments, the front porch and ever-expanding skill set. I do have some news and events to share with you as well. On Thursday, the 21st of January, several Yarns at Yenhu listeners took part in a birding webinar sponsored by Hawk Mountain, and then we got together for a knit and chat and discussion of the webinar and birding in general following that presentation. We had such a good time, and the conversation was so stimulating that I hope to host a series of these over time. And the next opportunity is this coming Thursday, January 28th. I didn't anticipate it would occur so soon. However, Nazneen announced that there was an upcoming webinar about the backyard bird count, and that's coming in February. So there's a webinar on Thursday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I will provide a link to it in this episode show notes. It's sponsored by the Appalachian Mountain Club and features Becca Rodomsky-Bish. She's from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and she's going to talk about the backyard bird count. It is free to sign up for this webinar. So if you're interested, please sign up. And then you can find the Zoom link information on the birding chat thread in our Ravelry group. You can also email me or message me on social media if you would like me to send you that link and you are not participating on Ravelry. I will say that after many, many months of not having too much conversation going on the Ravelry threads... The birding chat seems to have stimulated a lot of interest. So 
if even if you can't participate in these events, you may be interested in just reading and chiming in on the thread. I aim to do a little bit better following up on emails and requests for the Zoom link because I was a little bit remiss on a few folks who messaged me and I'm very sorry about that. I got into a bit of multitasking that prevented me from following through and I don't feel good about it, but I aim to do better. I want to tell you about two other things that are coming up. One is that February is Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. One of my responsibilities at the public high school where I teach is that I co-advise a group of students called Teen Leadership Council, and they promote awareness of things like teen dating violence, alcohol and drug abuse, bullying, things like that, and they do awareness campaigns. With a hybrid situation and a lot of students being virtual, we are more and more restricted in the approaches we take to share information. So students in this club have decided that they will be doing a social media campaign all throughout the month of February, and it will include posts that you can use on Instagram. I think you could push them in other places too. They're mostly image files, each member of Teen Leadership Council, as well as the advisors, is working to put together a team of individuals who will promote and share these posts about teen dating violence awareness throughout the month of February. And I'm hoping that some Yarns at Yinhu listeners will be interested in being on my team. There are two levels of involvement. One is simply to look out for my posts. I can tag you if you would like in my posts, and then you can repost them for your followers. The next level of participation is to create a team of your own. By getting together some other folks, you can share it with them, and then they promise to share with their followers thus expanding the impact of our outreach. I've posted about this on the Ravelry thread. I've made an initial post on Instagram. You can see it there and you can reply to me however you choose if you would like to be involved in this endeavor. I can tag you. Uh, Likely there will be posts nearly every day during the month of February. So if that seems a bit overwhelming, you could say, tag me once a week. Teen dating violence and domestic violence are concerns more important now than they have ever been before. And it's really important to share this messaging as widely as we can. So contact me if you're interested in participating, and I appreciate your help. I want to tell you about something that's coming up on the podcast. I am currently working with Dr. Lily Marsh 
on a series of episodes that will investigate the contributions of Elizabeth Zimmerman to contemporary knitting. Dr. Lily Marsh of Lily Marsh Studios is a very well-respected weaver. She is also a member of the board of the Hudson Valley Textile Project and works to promote wool and textiles throughout the region. And her dissertation was on the topic of Elizabeth Zimmerman. I was very keen to have Dr. Lilly address our knit local retreat group last April, but unfortunately our knit local getaway was canceled and we missed out on Dr. Lilly. She's been delivering a 45-minute to one-hour presentation about Elizabeth Zimmerman all around the region for many years, but has had a desire to break it down and get into some of the specific aspects of her research. And so we are working together to create a series of conversations that will be available via podcast over the course of the next several months. These will be delivered as separate episodes so that if you are very interested in listening and re-listening to the Elizabeth Zimmerman content, you won't have to sort it out from other things that I talk about on my podcast. I'm very, very excited about bringing this new content to you. I think you will enjoy it and learn a lot from it, and there will be a lot of inspiration for further thinking about our craft. So stay tuned for those episodes. They're coming soon. The Front Porch. I continue to work on my pair of socks with yarn from Nema Bond, the colorway fireworks at midnight. I am nearly done with the first sock and I just love the way the colors in this yarn are working up. I don't think I've ever knit with a yarn this colorful. It's pretty bright. It's nuanced by lots of kind of purple gray. It is not a self-striping yarn, but it has a striping effect because of the way it's dyed in the skein. And the ribbing technique that I'm used to knit this sock means that it will be energizing to the foot and very comfortable and stretchy. And I really like knitting socks with this technique. So I anticipate that I will soon be on to sock number two. In the meantime, I've completed the knitting on the pillowcase cover I've been working on. This pillowcase, uh, the materials for it were a gift from Barb Lynn of Wild Rose Textiles. She sent a complete kit. I didn't even realize how complete the kit was because it has sewing up thread and buttons and a number of things that I didn't even notice when I initially opened the package. 
So what I've done so far is use some beautiful yarn to knit up a cabled pillow front. It's knit flat. It has a series of cables and textured stitches. And I have set that to soak and it should be dry already when I get home because everything dries very quickly indoors these days with all the heat on. So then what I will need to do is steam it probably a little bit to get it into the 18 by 18 inch square dimensions that I would like. And then I will use thread, wool thread, to attach buttons to woven fabric that came in this kit and then to stitch the knitted front to the woven fabric that's the back on three sides. The fourth side of course is where you insert the pillow which also came with this kit and the woven fabric I was ironing and folding the woven fabric into position yesterday is absolutely gorgeous and the buttons are pewter buttons that were made especially for this project in Vermont. It's really, really a very special kit. And I'm thrilled to be working on it and at the point where I'm going to be putting it all together. So I will keep you posted on that. Barb Lynn has informed me that she is putting together new kits and will keep me posted about when they are available. And she hinted at a discount for Yarns at Yin Hu listeners. So I'll be sure to keep you posted on that. Finish one project, start another. That's the golden rule. It is, right? That's still the rule. I have cast on Glynn, a long sleeve cropped sweater by Whitney Hayward that was designed by Harrisville Designs in particular with their Nightshades line of yarn in mind. I purchased this at Rhinebeck in 2019 and did not purchase the yarn at that time. I just purchased the pattern at the Harrisville booth so did Mary Beth, and Mary Beth has already knit the sweater. And I don't know what's taken me so long, but now that I have my neck lamp, I feel a lot more inclined to knit a sweater in a very dark color. So I went all for it, and I purchased three skeins of the Nightshades in the vinyl which is the black on black. The Nightshades is black yarn predominantly with pops of some or another color, except in the case of vinyl, which pretty much looks like a pure, deep, saturated black. It's very, very plush yarn. It's a dream to work with. I've only completed a couple of rows of this sweater, but I love it. I love working on it. I've decided to go with the second size in the pattern, which is for a 35 and a half inch bust. That is not my bust size. I'm more like 37, 37 and a half. However, my gauge tends to 
be loose. And so I usually size down with the pattern and with the needles. After consulting with Mary Beth, however, I decided that I would stick with the recommended needle sizes of seven and eight, but I did go down a little bit in the number of stitches. So hopefully this will all add up to a nicely fitting sweater. I don't really intend this sweater to have very much positive ease. And since there are darts in the sweater, I think there's some opportunity for me maybe to shift the sizing a bit as I knit. Once again, that is Glynn by Whitney Hayward, knit in Harrisville Nightshades in the vinyl colorway. Ever-expanding skill set. I think I talked in an episode around the holidays about sharing a holiday meal with members of my family by packaging it up and exchanging it outside and taking it home to prepare in our own homes because we are very focused on keeping one another and especially our mom safe. We have not done any inside visiting since the cold weather started. But we still want to show our affection and we still want to visit and bring one another things. So we've been doing some food exchanges, both planned and unplanned. We had a very well-planned Christmas dinner. But then this weekend, I made a delivery to my mom of some lobster mac and cheese and some turkey chili that Samuel and I had prepared um, during the week, as well as some cupcakes because we were also making a delivery to Briar and her parents on the event of Briar's birthday. And I stopped at my sister's and dropped off some cupcakes to her as well. And my mom surprised me with, oh, here, since you're giving me some food, here's some beef stew that I made this week. And then my sister handed me a bag with two beautiful baked rolls, dinner rolls in it. So we ended up, you know, sharing a lot of food and then bringing some home. And I think I would really like to continue with this idea of either showing up planned or unplanned with treats for people and cupcakes. Cupcakes are a really good idea, I think. I love baking and I I really enjoy baking cakes. However, a cake at our house for two people is kind of a dangerous proposition. And delivering slices of cake, unless you really have like professional um, containers to deliver them in, is, is kind of difficult. But cupcakes seem to do well. At Target recently, I purchased a plastic cake holder 
that doubles as a cupcake holder. It keeps everything very secure and is a great way to transport cupcakes. The ones I made this past weekend were on Food52's website. I will link it in the show notes. They are pumpkin cupcakes with chai cream cheese frosting. They were absolutely delicious. And I reduced both the sugar and the oil in the recipe. So I will make a note of that when I post my show notes. In the coming weeks, I would like to explore some more cupcake recipes. So if you have any favorites, I would love to know what they are. And I was also thinking about converting some favorite cake recipes to cupcakes. I think icing or frosting is absolutely essential for cupcakes, especially ones that you're going to give away. Emily had mentioned a an Earl Grey cake with, I think, chocolate and orange. And I've been wanting to make this cake and sort of resisting it because, like I said, having a cake in a household of two. But maybe I could make cupcakes with it and share them, and that would be a good way to taste the recipe without overindulging. Final thing I wanted to mention was a realization that came to me as I was making these cupcakes, that baking is so much more pleasant as an endeavor during the cold months, because the entire outdoors is like a walk-in freezer. Most of the frustration with baking is waiting for things to cool so you can move on to the next step. And I've taken to simply putting things outside on my porch to cool, which really makes things move along much more quickly, reduces wait time, and I think makes the baking process more exciting. How about that Amanda Gorman? So many of you have reached out to me uh, thanking me for mentioning her in the previous podcast. Of course, I had no idea at that moment what an explosion of popularity her performance would be. Uh, It's great to see so many people excited about it and really paying attention to the inauguration as a whole. I was interested, of course, in the fashion, Bernie and his grumpy chic, the dresses by American designers, but my one complaint is that Americans should really take a cue from the Brits and invest in some hats. I think there should be like a federally appointed milliner to give some guidance on these issues. Some people, like Lady Gaga, like Amanda Gorman, who were prepared with updos, or Michelle Obama, whose hair did not move out of place the entire time, they fared well. Others, not so much. And I think these people could really have benefited from a well-made hat. All the better if they're matching their beautiful outfits, right? And Joe, Joe needs a hat. He needs a hat. Are you with me? Do you agree? 
The other thing I've been thinking is, you know, with all of the limitations for indoor gatherings posed by the global pandemic, people are going to gather more and more outdoors for relatively formal events. And I think hats will be a very welcome addition in these cases because they help to keep you warm, they help to keep your hair in place, and they're a great way to be fashion forward as the Brits well know. I know, I know that there are many important concerns for the country at this point, but I think we should add inaugural milliner to this list. Have a great week.